Hello everybody and welcome to Unreformed Handball Hour, the original, the OG English language podcast for handball. I'm going to do a quick spin around our guests for today. We have Chris O'Reilly and Alex Kulish. How you doing, boys? <laughs> I just we, we talk handball and we've been doing it for a really long time. Still the highest rated handball podcast on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Highest rated. Someone's done their homework. But you can keep us at the top. And uh, go online and give us a lovely five-star rating on either of those platforms to keep us the best English-speaking podcast in all the land. (laughs) Even without those ratings, that doesn't matter. That's a fact. Though I wouldn't know. (laughs) I haven't heard any other ones. So, let's talk handball, shall we? (laughs) We're going to dive into early season check-ins. And since we had the start of the Champions League. We haven't really uh, dived into it too much. Campo and I had a little morning club after Kielce's Match of the Week victory last week, but we're three rounds into it now. And I think it's safe to say that it has not gone exactly as we've all anticipated. Uh, We're going to try and have a look at the teams that have surprised us in, in good and not so good ways so far and figure out whether those teams are going to continue in that vein. A little bit of a stick or twist, as Brian said just before we just before we started recording. Sticky or twisty. And get it, get it right. <laughs> sticky or twisty. I oh, got of the early season results, Alex. Which teams have really stood out for you? Who do you want to talk about first? I, I'll, I'm just going to start with a very easy one, and that is Barcelona, because everyone was doubting them, except for me. Except for me. And I, I'd actually, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit to start. Just because I, I haven't talked about this uh, since we did our preview podcast. But my Group B predictions. Huh? If, remember them? Anyone remember my Group B predictions? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can find them. <laughs> but uh, tell us. Go on. Well, watch. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Do you, you don't remember <laughs> no, them. No, Is that I, do, I do remember <laughs> them. I do remember them. I, ha- I said Barcelona will go will stay stay at the top. That's what they did. They've uh, looked very dominant. I also said Magdeburg will finish fourth in the group. Right now, they're standing in fifth. And my last one, which I'm, I'm pretty happy with, is Visa Plotsk, who flattered to deceive last year. Flattered to deceive last year, reaching the quarterfinals, and they stand on zero points after three games. So... Yeah, you're you're picking and choosing here. You also had Montpellier in third and Giogi in fifth. Yeah, so, that, that can still know. land. That's that can still yeah. land. That can still happen. Exactly. Exactly. If we can just pick out three teams, uh, but I think the the two teams, I suppose, in terms of Magdeburg and Visa Plus, the two teams that did so well yeah. last year, um, I really did think they're going to struggle. The question is, I suppose. Um, for those two teams, especially, so Magdeburg and Wieselplatzk, who are already in a relatively tough position to kind of, well, for Magdeburg, they're already four points behind the the automatic spots. Uh, Wieselplatzk got zero points. Do you think they can turn it around and get into a comfortable position? So what that means is Magdeburg actually getting a quarterfinal spot and for Visa Plotsk, it's getting into probably somewhere like fourth. Probably fourth is where, you know, a team that got to the quarterfinals should be. What do you think? The the game that Plotsk had against Gog was just an, an absolute matchup nightmare for them. They just they just couldn't cope with them. But if you looked at the Montpellier game, they were in that game the whole way. And they, they probably could have won it at certain stages of the game. And I think the red card in the second half to Tim Lucin was a big thing that changed the dynamic of the game. When you took him out of the out of the backcourt, I think it really it really hampered them. So could they have won that game? I think they definitely could have won the game. 
could they have beaten Porto on the opening day also the loss by one so I think it could it could have looked very different for them so they're not a million miles off it now and their next three games are going to be really important to kind of I don't want to say season defining but Magdeburg uh, Vesperm away and then Selye at home you'd imagine they'll beat Selye but is it, a, is, it, is it that crazy to think they could get a result against either Magdeburg and Vesprem? I think they probably have it in them. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be tough for them. And um, yeah, I'm, if you're asking me, are they going to get to another quarterfinal at this stage? I'd say they're probably going to be, probably no. Uh, but um, I think they're, they're going to be a tough match for everyone in the group still. Do you, do you stick or twist with Visa Plotsk? current position so they're, they're in seventh in the group on zero points right now they're getting knocked out your stick is that they keep uh stay knocked out but your twist is whether they'll go above fifth place uh above fifth what's more likely uh i'm not gonna give you that sixth place position no, that's that's too, too easy, easy. No. above fifth so <laughs> fifth or above um fifth or above ah uh, I think Porto are going to drop down a good bit from where they are now in fourth. I think that's been they're probably a bit inflated. God, no. No, I think they're not going to finish fifth or above. Probably going to finish sixth, I'd imagine. So you're you're sticking with... You're not, you don't get the yeah, sixth so option. Yeah, then I'm sticking, you don't, you don't get six. Yeah. It's a very small twist. A very, very so you're small twist. you're technically sticking. <laughs> it's, this is quite a cruel question because Potsko are either going to finish sixth or seventh. There's no fifth. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at the teams in there, what are, what are you what are you saying, Alex? Uh, sticking or twist? I'm st- I'm sticking that they're going to get knocked out, and I really think that's because of the loss of Kasarov. I think we didn't we probably didn't put enough weight on just how key of a player he was for them last season. Um, we talked about Tindlesin being you know a <clears throat> a good player. Uh, a good replacement for Kasarov in that backcourt. But when you look at their, you know, the games this season have been so close. And who was it last season, anytime there was a close game, who got the ball at 10 meters and just smashed it into the top corner? That was Kasarov. So it's, they're losing him in these final uh, close games. And for Visa Plots, they're always going to be in close matchups in a competition like the Champions League. And losing a really, really top player like that, a, a player who was their talisman, is going to hurt them. And uh, surprisingly, Porto, uh, I'm, I'm a Porto believer, even though, you know, they're definitely flattering to deceive at the moment, but uh, I'm a Porto believer. Uh, unfortunately for Potts, they have a really talented guy who's going to, I think take the reins for the, the coming years in Gerga Fazakas, but he's just a bit bit too young still. He's nineteen, very impressive player. Um, he is probably going to take that role, but I can't see him uh, perform. You know, a six out of six goals out of six shots every single time. You know, he, he did very well a couple of weeks ago against Gioge. Yeah, I think that's that's missing for them, Kosorotos. Chris, you you get the question of Magdeburg. Um, so Magdeburg so far have two points from three games, including, so they've, they smashed Celia in the last game to give themselves a bit of saving grace. They lost 32-20 to Barcelona and 33-28 to Vesprem. So on paper, they've actually, they have played the two best teams in the group and lost to them. I think that result against Barcelona is... The shocking one that makes this question probably a little bit more interesting of whether <clears throat> Magdeburg, the current champions, let's let's not forget, the current champions of the Champions League, uh, for, they're currently in fifth. If we're going to go with a stick or twist, stick is that they finish um, out of the quarterfinal spots and twist is that they get into the quarterfinal I will leave the third place open for Magdeburg um, with this question but I suppose the question is can they get even close to the 
to the two teams uh, ahead of them in terms of best rem and Barcelona. Yes, I think they're going to finish. Uh, they're going to finish outside of the quarterfinals. I think they are going to finish third, which is how I predicted them at the beginning. I think those two opening losses to Barca and Vesprem have kind of makes it look worse than it is. And I think their performances overall in the Bundesliga show that this team is uh, is not that bad. Maybe they're, they've shifted their focus a little bit. Um, I think they've, they've realized from last season that it's very much a marathon and not a sprint. You know, think about the journey they went on last year. So maybe they're trying to um, pace themselves a little bit, uh, which could just be like shit journalist talk. And of course, they're trying to win every single match. But uh, <laughs> the loss of Christiansen has been really significant. And I think the loss of Smiths, we, we talked about both, both of these things. And Omar Ignin Magnussen is, is just not there yet. Um, They've basically... So you have to choose one. You have to choose one of the... In that case, you have to choose one of the competitions, mm. I think, at this stage. to like to re, And they've... From what I've seen, they've chosen the Bundesliga with like Klar and Lagergren who are taking over that position, basically. They're really getting the minutes in the Bundesliga. And then with Smarason, he's maybe being experimented a bit more uh, with uh, as someone who can can uh can take over the Champions League games. Um yeah, so I, I don't I don't think they will be really competing for the top 2. Vesprem might open the door a little bit for them but not enough. So I think uh it will be a twist so they won't finish 5th, I think. Uh, that uh feels uh yeah, a little bit unrealistic. But I think 3rd or 4th is more likely. So I'll go with twist, third place. Yeah, you got the easy one. <laughs> Alex, let's give you one then. Let's go. Huh? Georgi, second place at the moment. Actually, I'm not going to, uh, second place is not going to be the stick for them because I think it's fair to say there's n- there's no way they're going to continue this unbeaten run. Um, and as now that I've said that, that is very much a possibility. <laughs> but the stick being... A top half finish in Group B or twist bottom half finish. So top four or fifth or sixth? That's, a, that's, that's actually a really good question. Uh, I, I, I like that. Um, and it's Gege have been such a whirlwind this season. Um, they're current, currently sitting seventh in the Danish league while sitting second with uh, three wins from three in uh, the Champions League, which is, they've lost the coach. Uh, I, I don't know. It's It's been too wild. And that win against, uh, that win against Vesprem just really came out of nowhere. And it was so impressive, that win as well. Without Morten Olsen on maybe, the court. Maybe Morten Olsen <laughs> should just be the coach full time. Uh, well, his performance against Prosk, which is just otherwise, <laughs> yeah. like it's literally against Prosk, he was doing things that were, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even handball sometimes. He was just like, oh, what if I shoot from this weird position? Will it work? Nobody's waiting for it. So I'm just going to try it out. And then, yeah, next week he's coaching them to victory. It's uh, yeah, bizarre. I think in terms of matchup, I think, Brian, you mentioned matchups uh, in this group before. And I think... Geoge have just been Vesprem's torn for for years now. They they always struggle. Um, Vesprem struggle with the speed of um, Geoge. The same for Vislaplotska, I would say. Uh, kind of a slower style versus a really fast, crazy style that Geoge are playing. While looking at the other teams in the group, I think. And we kind of saw a glimpse of it in their first match against Celia, where um, Ian Marco Fogg got sacked afterwards. Um, they only beat Celia by two goals because Celia could match their speed. I think Barcelona can match their speed and destroy them as always. I think Magdeburg can match their speed. I think Montpellier can match their speed. Porto might just slow him down enough because that seems to be what Porto are just best at doing. Um, so I 
oh, it's it's still a toss up between Gueye and Montpellier for me, and I haven't been too impressed by Montpellier. Um, they've been good, but they're they've been a bit wasteful. Um, I think Ahmed Hesham actually had his kind of first good game um, against. Uh, I guess we supplots because they get got that win. He got nine goals, but to date he was shooting something like forty percent. Um, same for Brian Monte, just shooting very inefficiently. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Gerge are gonna drop out of the top four. All of that, all of that leading to Gerge dropping out of the top four. Um, Montpellier. I'm putting my trust in Montpellier to kind of get it together this season um, because they haven't been good enough this season. Um, they've even dropped points in the French League already to Limoges. But do you basically see that Gheorghe are going to basically slow down as the season goes on? They're going to get worn down by teams that like Barcelona that can match them and then eventually get into the latter stages of the group phase that their their style doesn't work as well. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? I, I think so, um, and like losing Morton Olsen is is huge for them. So that that's gonna go on for a couple of weeks. That that will reset them. Um, yeah, I, I I just I think I yeah I agree with your statement. I think they will be the teams that they've played played so far. Um, I think they've been able to really maximize their potential using with with the fast style that they have the teams that they have left um in this kind of round of games might challenge them so i wouldn't be surprised if they were you know they stay on these six points for for a little while i may be being too harsh here because there's still a team that has gathered you know it's still a new team it's still there's quite a lot of new players and it has a lot of talent but my money's on Montpellier, so Montpellier to be third place still. You're having them there, yeah. You're going, they're really that's, twisting, that's, that's, twisting that's, back to your original. Let, let's see, let's see. Uh, Montpellier back okay. into the original. Brian, Porto. Okay. Currently in the top half, I think the twist for them or sticking is qualifying for the <laughs> the next round. Uh, twist is them fin- finishing in the bottom two. You've kind of already suggested that Potsk are going to finish in the bottom two. So actually, what is what is a suitable twist for Porto then? Any ideas? Or is this just like, this is perfect for them so far? They've beaten the two teams they, they're competing with for a sixth place. <laughs> if is their job done like that, now until it? March? I mean, yeah, Vesprem, <laughs> yeah. Magdeburg, GOG, and Montpellier twice then, and a GOG again. I, I, when's the next win going to come? Yeah. Is it going to be... Again, yeah. So they're not going to win a game till February yeah, right, twenty-eight. When they face the top, the bottom two re- teams. Okay. It could really be like that. I mean, they might get a, they might get a draw here and there in the middle, but I feel like that the, the, where they are standing at the moment, I think really it really does flatter them. But I do I do agree with Alex. I do like Porto as a, as a club. I want to see them do well, but it is difficult to see. They could go on a huge losing streak now, and then their confidence is going to be rock bottom. So I'm definitely going to have to say I'm going to no twist. Yes, twist because they're going to they're going to drop down. Or drop, drop down, drop out. Are we talking drop out of the top six or uh, drop down? Where are they going to finish? They're going to finish. I got yeah, two sixth. Yeah, probably drop down, drop down two sixth. All right, here's the question then: In the next nine rounds, uh, can they get two who victories could they get or a victory more against? Let me see now. Okay, away to Vesprem, they're not going to do anything. Away to Magdeburg, also not. Home, they're going to have GOG at home. I don't see anything there either. Possibly get a result at home against Montpellier. Possibly, I don't. Would it be out of this world they get a home a home draw against Magdeburg or against uh, sorry against uh, Vesprem? One of those freak results to do every now and again. I could see that and possibly, and then beat Celia and beat Poitsk maybe again at the end of the season. That's probably that's where I see the results at the moment. Any any differences there, Alex? I'm just trying to think about Porto currently and they're they they absolutely yeah. scraped both wins like absolutely scraped both mm-hmm. wins especially that game against Celia where they were two goals down with five minutes to go and there, there were what seven yeah, goals seven down goals at half time 
Uh, I think it got as high as eight goals. Yeah, there's eight goals with 40 minutes gone. Then they went on a seven-goal streak. No, a six-goal streak followed by a f- one goal from Saudi, then a four-goal streak to go ahead. Then they almost lost it because Saudi went on a three-goal streak and then Porto scored three goals in a row in the last five minutes to win it. So that's just wild and... That you'd rather be on that side of that result than on Celia's side. I mean, that shows a lot of uh, lot of positive signs as well that they could turn that around. I think Porto have a surprise win in them against the top sides in the whole group, essentially, and that might be enough <laughs> to uh, seal their spot. Um, but they're they're not going above sixth. I just don't know, like, why why are what's happened in Porto? this season they have two right backs that's they, the key they finally have some right backs they have uh, Mamadou uh, Dioku and Jakob Mikkelsen two actual right backs who can play there which is something they're, they've they're been struggling with uh, since we've known, known this year team 40 year old crews at right back <laughs> I think uh, only maybe only in, in uh, man up situations yeah. in 7v6 but hey yeah, they've got the they won the games that we like you have to win to qualify that's that's all you can all do. you can do it's going to be a bleak winter <laughs> but they may come out on the right side of it in the end uh, <laughs> um three more teams we we haven't looked at properly the top and bottom teams we're, yeah. we're sticking with them yeah. uh, barca top yeah. the bottom doesn't need too much discussion then vesprem currently in third place after a bit of a a tame loss to Gio Gio, i would describe it as but besides that, we're looking pretty powerful. Are they going to be in that top two? They're third at the moment, but it feels like, you know, second place is kind of the stick for this team and the twist is dropping below second place. Is it not not first place as you predicted, Chris, at the before the Germans started? Uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I did predict them in first place, but um, yeah, Barca just looked like they're, well... I, I say Barca, Emil Nielsen looks like he wants to win it's the group and that's nonsense. all that matters. What Emil Nielsen is <laughs> Emil doing Nielsen. is absolute <laughs> nonsense. I think yeah. Barca are ready to just <laughs> give away Perez de Vargas immediately, cut that contract, get, feel rid like that. get rid of that salary. He's not going to get... That's It's insane what Emil Nielsen is doing. It is, yeah. So, best friend. Best friend. Um... It's a tough one. Um, I, I think they have looked good, and I think, especially in their win um, against Magdeburg, they they looked like a team in, in control, and they have a great squad. Fabregas has been really, really, really good for them, um, and I think he'll continue being really good for them. They pro- they can probably find him a little bit more, uh, but he's he's their te- second top scorer. Right now, they're still searching for their kind of backcourt leader in each game. Yeah. And maybe that's what they want to do. Because it just seems like, you know, one game it's going to be Remily, a second game, uh, Eldera steps up, another one. Well, actually, no one else has really stepped up except for those two players. Um, Casados look good. That, that has been uh, really surprising. So there's still a little bit kind of... Um, that, that backcourt's a little bit in the air but uh, they have the talent and they're going to be good enough to finish second definitely in the group because they just have the, the best squad in that group and that's and I mean a better squad than Barcelona also they they absolutely have the best squad they just don't have do. the best coach it's they're, they're spoiled for choice in that backcourt it's kind of a you know it's almost the opposite to you know Gioghi and and Barca in the way that's like, oh, they're not quite firing in all cylinders yet in the backcourt, but that's because they have too many players to choose <laughs> from. <laughs> and they will have more when uh, Yaya Omar uh, eventually makes his way uh, back to full fitness. Yeah, I think I I think top two is still almost a guarantee. Yeah, I think it's probably, we're being a little bit misled by the Giogi result because as as Alex said they lost to them last season by one I think it was a 37-36 and then 36-30 this season it feels like 
the way just Gyogi play are just a bit like their kryptonite. So maybe you could just ignore the results against Gyogi this season and just pay attention to everything else. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think they just have an absolutely incredible, incredible squ- squad. And I, I'm really intrigued to see when you have a player like Kozorotov coming in who was so pivotal for what uh, last season and, and the other seasons as well and how he then fits into a squad where he's maybe not the, the main character or how he how he's going to grow into the team there also someone like Lucas Sandel has also been quite quiet what's his role going to be how uh, how much of a big player is he going to be because Alex is right as well it's been Nedim Remily who really has looked has, has been amazing so far and then the backward then has maybe been a bit I mean, yeah, yeah, Eldera had, had a decent enough a decent enough game against uh, Gyogi. And then uh, apart from that, we need to see what kind of what kind of characters are gonna are gonna step up there. But when you look at the squad, like I mean it's absolutely it's absolutely incredible, such depth. So I think they are gonna finish second, yeah. Okay. That's group B. Wrapped up. Uh, group A. This is uh, a little bit more funky. Oh, let's let's talk about Kiel. Let, let's go straight yes, into top, Kiel. The top of the table, right? The, the top, top of the, of the table. table. <laughs> it's the only table they seem to. I think they might get a chance to top this season. They're just knocked out of the German Cup, losing to their kryptonite uh, Wetzler, which is incredible. Yeah. They're just where are they lying in the Bundesliga? They're in ninth in the Bundesliga with. Um, Three wins from six six games, four losses in a row in domestic. I have to pick one of them, don't you? So they picked clearly the Champions League. That's <laughs> there you go. They they picked the Champions League. <laughs> well, see, it could be the last time they're in it for a couple of seasons, so uh, yeah, they may as well try and win it. Well, no, that's it, right? Maybe they see that this is the best way to get back into the Champions League next year by winning it. That, that's a good question. Are they going to? Where they where are they going to expend their energy? Are they going to give up on the Bundesliga season and really focus on the Champions League? Yeah, I don't. I think they were in a fairly not a completely similar situation last season, but they did lose a couple of games early on last season in the Bundesliga, and they still managed by the end of it to turn it around. We can save that for the Bundesliga chat. I don't think they're in a position to be able to decide where they're expending their effort in because they just seem a bit of a bit all over the place I don't know they don't know their best team yet they don't know how to make make use of their players to the best way yet it's, uh, which is understandable given the changes over the summer but in a stick or twist situation uh, is saying they're going to finish first really the stick here or is finishing in the top two the stick and a twist finishing mid table yeah which is probably where they're going to finish I think fi- fi- finishing Stick. top two is probably, um, yeah, the 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 stick. Uh, again, we we have to say it's Kiel. You know, we 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 can't just be like, oh, Kiel are going to finish mid table because they're struggling for results. They they have an incredible squad mm. as well. They have um, incredible, probably the best line players in the world. Their backcourt is absolutely stacked. Eric Jonsson, um, Nikola Bilic is back. Reinkind, Skipper, you know they, that's a that's a proper backcourt. They have great wings. They have a great defense. Maybe not the best goalkeepers, and I think that's that's been the issue. And you have to think that you know the games they've lost this season have been Flensburg, Bagdeburg, and Melsungen. So, are they that bad? No. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. You, th- you, think- you thought I was sticking, but no. I was twisting. I got you with that last last second twist. <laughs> are they that bad? That bad to finish in mid table? Yes, that I agree with. But are, but what she said about the the squad, I think, is is pretty reasonable. Hendrik Beckler has just come back to full fit or to fitness, right? So he's gonna it's gonna take some time. Uh, he didn't look so uh, shit hot from what I saw. Abilic seems to be the big question mark for me in this attack because Bilic is supposed to be now the leader, like the playmaker in the team. 
You know, no longer is he the the guy who's like, oh, he can be thrown in for 20 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes, and he'll put in a performance. If he doesn't, it's okay because Sanders Augustin is there or somebody else is there. Now he, now it's, you know, uh, Asha Pagotu is going to be what Billick was. He's going to be thrown in. And if he can come up with something great, then fantastic. If not, then Billick is there. But from what I've seen from Billick, he has been a little too shy with his shooting. Um, I think maybe because he's supposed to be the playmaker in the team. But it feels like Nikola Billick is a player who, when he knows he can shoot, he looks so much more dangerous, even if he's as, as a playmaker. But when he decides, no, I'm not going to shoot in this attack, He's, a, he's almost anonymous. Alex, I wanted to ask you about the, the keeper situation. So the, the new keeper they brought in, Samir Belasin, Bela I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, he, I've only seen him honestly play one game against uh, Pellister and he looked he looked decent. And I, from that game, I thought, oh, he's probably better than Gerrard. But I haven't seen him now, to be honest, in the, in the Bundesliga. Like, when you say they're weak in that department, do you not rate him as a sign-in as, or as a replacement to Gerrard? Or what are you thinking? Well, it I think Jared is better than Belenson. Um I do. Um but Belenson is better than no one as a backup to Markva. Magnus so. Beerfreund, the friend of beer, <laughs> friend of beer. Um essentially I think it gives them straight away I think he made an impact because um he had that really good game, I think 11 saves in his in his first game. Um Made, made an impact he comes with a lot of hype from France he really has been um, a standout goalkeeper in France for the last couple of seasons he he hasn't made the the French squad um, in that time um, but I think he's one of those that everyone was always asking you know when is this guy going to get into the squad um, by that standing I think he's not better than Gerard, but Gerard's going to be gone for a while I think I've been thinking about it a little bit, and it's this is relates to Alborg as well and Landine's performance to date. Um, and I think the Kiel defense is so good, and Landine was so good, and together at times it was just a beautiful symphony, and they played together for so long. You know, Patrick Bincheck, Peckler, uh, Duvniak, and Landine have just been together for so long. They know how to play with each other so well. And when you kind of break up that beautiful partnership, both sides are struggling. Um, and it's going to take them a while to figure out their new defences and goalkeepers. For Kiel, that's, that's a bit of an issue because they're going to rotate their two goalkeepers continually then they're going to get Gerard back in later in the season. So they're not never going to get that stability they had with Landine. Um, so I see their defensive and goalkeeper issues continuing into the season, what never really settling. Because if you do feel like there's certain keepers you could take out of any team and plop them into other teams, and they're probably going to get a streak going, like Emil Nielsen, for example, you feel like you just put him in anywhere, throw the kid on, go in, and he'll get a streak going at some stage. But certain keepers then rely so much on structure and things like that. And you feel like, Landine is a little bit like that and you pull him out of a team put him somewhere else he needs to know what's going on in front of him really to kind of to function properly doesn't he? Yeah although I do have to caveat Landine is he's been really really good in the Danish league he's right up at 40% mm. but he's been terrible in the Champions League um, maybe you know what maybe it was all Landine's fault why uh, Kiel were, have been so bad in the Champions League for the last few seasons <laughs> He loves the league, loves the league, really good, week in, week out, on home soil. Plus journeys are like his thing, you just, know, just once he has to get on the flight. No, not, not for me. <laughs> it just ruins him. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, it's, I, think, I think your sample size here for Alborg in the Champions League is a bit, a bit harsh. I mean, the Kielsa game, he managed 10 saves, right? The percentage wasn't fantastic. But he managed 10 saves. Second game, they won against Pellister. He was like 36%. And then he had a really bad game against Seget. So it's it feels like one really bad game. And that was reflected, I one think, on, on, in Alborg's start of the season. 
Two really good games, Ooh. one really bad game. But that, that doesn't make game. him terrible in the Champions League. <laughs> but no, you, you, you can't just look at total saves. You, like, I didn't. I looked at total saves, saves in one and I looked at percentage in the other. <laughs> you you <laughs> did. You did. You did. <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying is that, you know, that first game, the yeah. 10 saves isn't a good game. And they won away from home against Kelsey. You know, it's not always about the, what did they say about goalkeepers, Alex? It's not always about the number of saves, it's when they make them. All right, here, uh, Chris, uh, we move on. Here's one for you, <laughs> since this was a big... Oh, but we didn't make our mind up in the top two. Oh, no, staying in the top two. No, no. Neither team. <laughs> That's <laughs> obvious, <Good>. no? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that just needed to be said. I mean, you all, you all agree with me, said. no? Fair. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah, both will finish just outside the top two. So, you know, a big talking point of view when we did the preview was you agreed that Kielsa are, are going to probably start a bit slower to this group and that's probably proven to be mm-hmm. I mean correct sitting fourth at the moment although they're joint on four, four points with Alborg and, and PSG where do you see them going from here on out keeping in mind also they've lost Alex Dushabayev which is going to be a huge loss for them feels like they've, they have the complete opposite problem to the last few years and Alex tweeted from our account yesterday on that topic uh, was it yesterday or Alex Kulish now yeah yeah, Alex Kulesh. Yeah, <laughs> no, Alex, Alex didn't didn't have a takeover on her Kulesh Twitter account. The, uh, the they're looking a bit thin there. I mean, what do you think they do? It feels like Kielce can get away with it because yeah. they're playing in the Polish league. I think this is it's it's kind of the classic Vardar from a few seasons ago situation. Just to round up, it is four to six weeks expected for yeah. Alex Dushabayev, and it's a bicep injury. The everyone he was said hamstring about to a me, hamstring yeah. injury, because well, that's he, what he he said himself as well that it was. Well, did you get? Did you did you Google translate this in the the website? No, no, because he said to me, I did Google translate it. Alex, think about the, what is the bicep of the leg, <laughs> the hamstring. The, <laughs> no, the quad is the bicep. No, of the but leg. think about how the leg moves. If you flex the no, leg, Alex, I was there. He was limping off the court. He was limping off the court. He fell on the ground. I was right in front of him. He fell on the ground. He held his leg because yeah, he did limp. He did limp off with the uh, the hamstring, and he had it completely. He he was limping around after the game, and he had it strapped up. Go, gonna have to lock this up. It's <laughs> do some uh, polish. Not easy. Do some polish. Homework. Not easy. No, it's not handball world. Uh, saying that it's uh, it was a bicep injury yeah. as well. Also doing the same uh, amount of journalistic research as you. Also doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't... Uh, the bicep of Alex, the I leg. walked off the corridor Chris, afterwards. I, I, he was limping in front of me. I had an interview as he walked to the, to the corridor and I said, how's your injury? He goes, yeah, it's it's in my hamstring. Hopefully it's not my ACL. It's not connected to anything in my, my ACL. Uh, well, I could do an MRI on it soon and we'll see if it's all right. So there's... Yeah, his hands were looking were looking really good, really hot. Like so, not wrong with his arms. But let's let's here let, let's move on here. Like so, here's a, here's a question for you, Alex. Um, when you're speaking about tactics, what do you think Kelsey are going to do to combat missing Alex in, in right back because they don't really have any, anyone else to come in in right back or anyone natural? Are they going to go Morito again? Are they going to play with two lines? What do you see them or how do you see them combating this? I think I think they're going to play Danny Dushabayev out there. Probably um, mixed in with a bit of Morito um, and give maybe Tchaikovsky um, a bit of a go. But I, I don't think Morito is a sustainable solution for them uh, at that right back position. It is an easy solution because they have Konku um, out there. So the, they have enough cover on that right wing. And, you know, we, we've actually, we're not unaccustomed to small. Polish right wingers uh-huh. playing right back uh, like Dacek has done for many years um, but I think they're going to lean on Danny Dushibayev to um, mostly fill that gap I, I just the in addition I, I, I think the Andy Wolf injury news is probably even uh, just as bad because we, we heard about this Andy Wolf injury news, a herniated disc, there was back issues, I think it was back spasms, it was report, reported Sorry, initially. A um, couple of weeks. So I spoke to a couple of people in the club uh, before match of the week there, and apparently he is on the, like the, 
estimated time to come back is on track. So he's on the road to recovery, which is good. So hopefully. Yeah, he's on track. But then there's also, I, I heard a comment that, you know, it's like, we'll hopefully be back for the Euros. Oi, with that, um, well, four to six uh, weeks was the original one. The Euro is uh, a good two months away or three months away. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's that's what worried me um, that, you know, there could be, I, I don't see him being back on the court in the media. He's just started exercise with his full body, essentially, that he's just actually training uh, with his full body ex and not isolated exercises. So that worries me a bit, even though um, the the young goalkeeper was a Valchek. Milos Valchek. Valak um, did have an incredible performance. An incredible performance, but 23% in the end. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was incredible. He had incredible spells, which goes back he to the previous points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly my point from earlier, yes. uh, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for uh, pulling me up on that. <laughs> <laughs> One man's incredible performance is another man's shite Nicholas Landine performance. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> or the same man Valvac and Landine are, are not two players on the same correct I'll give you that <laughs> Chris do you agree with Alex do you think it's going to be like a, a Danny Dushabayev or do you see them maybe using going with Karolek and uh, Tarnat on the line yeah I don't think that that two man line thing worked so well I, that felt a little bit I mean it opened up a bit of space sometimes for Marito to uh, to sneak in as that kind of half right back half right wing thing it's okay for five minutes but, like yeah yeah I think yeah, I think it will be uh, as Alex said a mixture of Dushabayev uh, Morito and um, Olenichak I think will go in there as well a little bit I think he'll be used a bit more in attack because they don't need anyone in the left back position because uh, they have one of the very best left backs in the world right now and Shimon Sitchko right the Alex one of, <laughs> one of the best if, if not, not the best if not yeah. the best if not the most informed left back in the world right now, Shibon Sichko. And you know, yeah. he, he laughed me out of the room the last time I said it. Well, I the, the, the point was the point was after his dismal, dismal final four performance last year. <laughs> Let's see him do it at the major championships <laughs> yeah. and at the final fours, and then he can be considered uh, the very best. But he is a, he he is very informed, mm. potentially the most informed left back. Um, in the world right now yeah. and he seems very confident which I like he's really like stepping into those long range shots he's really diving into the gaps and I think happy days new haircut that's it look good yep. feel good play good I think they'll survive it uh, I think they'll survive this little injury crisis because of the the fact that they can focus on on the Champions League and that they've faced they face two of the three big contenders already. They face the third one in Kiel uh, next in match of the week, and which uh, will be a fun one to do. And then after that, they've kind of got a they've got a bunch of games against like the mid table and lower table teams. So it's actually coming. They survive next week against Kiel. Then uh, they have time to kind of cruise for the next month or so in the Champions League. So I think. Uh, It'll be twist. They're going to go back into the top two for me. Just a bit of a random question, though. But do we? Uh, do you feel like, as the kids would say, uh, that we're going to see Dylan Nahis cooking for uh, Kiel this uh, Kielsa this season? Kiel, Jesus, because it feels like he's he's really up for it. I know. Yeah, scoring his chances. Uh, he's. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Know. I can never. I never know what to expect from him, which is a fun thing to be. Uh, like, like the fun thing to look at because. It felt like last season he really underperformed. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, last week he looked really good. That was the only time I've seen him prop like properly so far this season. Yeah, there's no reason why not. If he's got the best left back in the world beside him, then eh, that's going to open up a lot of space for Dylan. And we know that uh, he loves a lot of space. <laughs> that's the only time he shoots. Uh, but I want to see. I want to see some more... I mean, let's put Dylan Nahid right back. Let's see. I want to see him in the backcourt more. I want to see more transition play from him. That's where he, that's where all his highlights come from when he's in transition attack, when he's uh, doing wild things in defense. Uh, 
this is the Dylan Nahi I think we all want to see. Good. Okay, who are we talk about next then? Lads, I've been trying to try to, so it is on the website and it is saying that it's the meistias, which is the biceps muscle. Maybe it was misquoted on the the website. I I don't know what's going on. Why would he be here, limping but, though? Uh, four to six weeks for. <laughs> Maybe the bicep injury was worse than hamstring injury. God. So <laughs> it does seem strange. I'll I'll, I'll okay. Keep investigating. I'll keep investigating. Is it the bicep or the bicep of the leg? We'll find out next week. <laughs> That's the title of our episode. To, we got a title for the episode at least. <laughs> we'll bicep of the leg. Maybe and find out. Uh, bicep of the leg. All right. Uh, <laughs> I want to get Alex Gulesh's thoughts on Seged next. Alex. Currently in fifth place. They got a big, big win against Alborg. In the same place, the same team that basically gave them their most... Basically gave them such a heavy defeat that it signaled the end of the road uh, for their their last coaching, uh, for basically the end of an era for the team as they were booed off the court. I think it was like a 13-goal loss. Seven-goal win against Alborg. Is this a new era for Seged? Do you think the significance of that win for Pig Seged was actually related to that game you just mentioned, Chris, in terms of yeah. it was pure revenge? Uh, it signaled they probably felt their lowest as a club after that game uh, last season. Something you forget. It's not a rivalry <laughs> that <laughs> really stands out. Allborg versus Seged. Well, <laughs> Seged against but Scandinavian they, they teams. Had, uh, this is like they just seem to have a real thing about Scandinavian teams. I think I should. I really like the Hungary versus Denmark uh, rivalry that's building here. Um, I think that, that we should foster foster this one. Pigs I get. Good win. Good performances so far. You know, P- PSG, they played well. They lost by two. Um, Kiel, they lost by three away. And they got a big win. I don't know why they look good. Um, they, they, they kind of... I just... If Matskovsek is the guy who's going to be your your main shooter, I just don't trust them at all. I just don't trust them at all. Um, they're still the same team that shoots from backcourt. I think um, Bombats has started off the season well, but he did that last season as well. I don't think he has a full season in him anymore, and he actually just announced that he will be leaving Zeget next year. So the... Yeah, the new era won't have Dejan Bombach in the. But they will. They um, will have. Uh, they will have uh, Mitten. <laughs> they will have probably Ali Mitten. That's a good, um, good replacement. Well, uh, yeah, you talk about Dirk for the future. Marius Staric has been very, like incredible for them. Mm-hmm. That's just been a random. Uh, he's been their random rocket. Uh, quite a consistent random rocket. The goalkeepers. Uh, what's what's the what's my sticker twist? What's what's my sticker twist yeah, here? Currently in fifth, Brian. I think you said they were going to be fifth. So fifth is the stick. Twist is breaking into the top four. I think they will keep having very close, good performances against those top teams, uh, but they'll, they'll fall short. Um, yeah, yeah but I, I I think that's it. Uh, essentially, I think Alborg as well. Um, they may have had an eye on the game against Geoge in the league uh, that was happening basically two, two or three days after um, they played away at uh, Pig Zeget. I'm okay. going to stick. Stick. So Brian, you predict them in fifth, so I'm going to assume that you're sticking there, and you're going to pat yourself on the back like Alex did at the start of the show. Oh, absolutely! Uh, yeah. Well, well done to you, Brian, for that. Thank you. Uh, thank you too. Jump into Kolstad here. Come on. This is the real fun topic of this group. Uh, <laughs> I almost <laughs> forgot about them. Almost what the forgot about Kolstad. What the hell is happening? Is what it just, is happening? Is it growing pains? Is it too early to be jumping to big conclusions about what a disaster it is? That loss to Zagreb, 31-20, was just, you know, 
being you know, even... spanked, being spanked by three guys in their late thirties. You know, I mean, being spanked was, uh... by by Zagreb has to be one of the most humiliating things in the Champions League because they're usually. I think you fold the club. Yeah. You just fold the club. Hand the keys in by Zagreb. You know. But the worst thing about uh, that as well is good Janssen scored 11 of those goals for yeah. Kolstad. So they really had nothing going on anywhere else. I mean, that 8 yeah. nil run they went on at the end of the set, first half was just like, it just the wheels fell off completely. And did, didn't they lose also in the Norwegian League as well? So they've, they've lost, lost yeah. they've lost three in a row now. Yeah, they lost 36 30 yeah, by six as Ruiner. well. I mean, that's like... Um, by six. Yeah. I mean, they have won a game since then, I think, they won their last league match, but... Yeah. They they did. Is it is it just a blip? Uh, there seems to be something bubbling here. There's rumours swirling around of the next yeah. place for a lot of these uh, Kolstad players, which I don't like the sound of. Um, uh, it's still a... It's still a great project, you know. They, they've they've kind of screwed up the uh, execution of it, but they're they're probably a little bit ahead of schedule as well. You know, this is the first year in the Champions League. They have brought in their their big boys, but their squad is stretched. And I'm gonna say it again, but I'm I'm sick of saying this about Magnus Rood. Every team he's in, it's like, oh, they just need Magnus Rood to complete this backcourt. He really gives the width and space that they really need whether yeah. it's Flensburg whether it's Norway or now it's Kolstad but he's, he's never, never there every team needs him he's just perfect for that team and he's never there he's never fit um, same thing now I, I think he's actually back yeah he was, he was playing in defence um, uh, so a little bit uh, last week that was his first game in the Champions League but that 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 kind of this Going back to our preview chat about them, this was the big fear. It's like, if there's anyone missing of that, like, let's say the first choice team, then they're in big trouble. Like, there's a serious lack of strength and depth in there. And I think the losing Smarison to Magdeburg was a real kicker there because then all of a sudden, Salgerson and Sugard can't even, like, take a break without the team falling apart. And put so much emphasis on them having to not just play, but play really well. And I'm I'm just gonna go back and um, question Christian Berger again because I'm <laughs> sick of this. Uh, same same with Norway. We for years we were like, oh, they just don't have the backups. And uh, Christian Berger plays with eight players, so he was probably fine. Us, oh, Marison, Grant, one less player to give minutes to, one less player to give me a headache. Um, and I think, you know, you look at this Kalsa team, they did win the uh, Norwegian League in style last season with these backups that aren't good enough. Well, I mean, um, is that the question? Are they actually good enough to just not being, you know, are trusted. they like so overshadowed by the new arrivals that it's like, yeah, maybe they've lost a bit of confidence perhaps? I, I think so. I, I think... You know, I really believe that the way Christian Berger coaches is not conducive to kind of long-term success and building of a squad. He just sticks with his stars. It it works brilliantly at times, and then it absolutely collapses at times. And I think he has to he has to fix that because, again, as he said, it also impacts the players in the squad who are told immediately, "You're not good enough. Earn your minutes, but you'll never earn them." <laughs> yeah. Essentially, so. So yeah, they can't like clearly they can't afford to do that because the Norwegian league is proving again to be not like not a joke. So they're going to have to be able to find some balance between these two competitions. And Champions League is completely relentless. You know they've they've lost a huge game in that kind of race for sixth place already. But go on, Brian. No, I was going to ask you too if you like Alex said there it's a good it's still a good project. Project is it a good project though? I mean a project that came in. And they basically lied to everybody about what money they could <laughs> they could uh, earn or pay. They have it in their budget that if they don't sell out, they, it was clearly in their budget that they're going to sell out every game in the Champions League this season. And if results don't go their way, their budget's going to look pretty bad for next season. 
they have to make, ask everyone to get a pay cut. All the players that they won the league with last season have just been completely replaced by all these superstars. And a new coach comes in and doesn't play any of the old players. So, like, when you look at it as, as a project, who who is it good for? Elvenham. That's no, damning. but really, that is damning. Is it? It's good for handball. Is it? it is good for handball to have a uh, a good team. But they it, just it, need it, to get. But their it, shit good together. for handball in what way, though? Because like these players are probably not even going to be here next season by the sounds of it. So in in a way, in a ways, as it stands right now, it's kind of been a failure all like so far. I I think you're going a little bit far with this. Um, it is still a a top club um, that has appeared out of nowhere, which is good. It's eh. trying to be sustainable, which is ma- making it difficult. They probably went went too much. We talked about that. Uh, but it is good for handball. Um, they're not going to be as as hyped or as good as um, they wanted to be. We probably thought they might be. Um, but they're also not going to be 31-20 loss against Zagreb bad. I think that's a uh, no, no. We can't just put the whole. No, season I, I think I would have said this stuff beforehand. That. Anyway, I think I think the financial side of things was the thing that that pissed off a lot of people, and the fact that they just got to get into Champions League the way they did and didn't have to go to the European League first as well. And I mean, you feel like they're kind of rushing to the top a lot, and even the way they're kind of, as you talked about, treating the players from last season and how they're kind of just have become also runs is maybe not the best, the best way to do things. What do you think, Chris? There's time for it to change. Yeah. And, yeah. They only lost they really good against Kielsa. Kielsa. Yeah. They actually looked really good against Kielsa. That was a yeah. great game, actually, as well. And I think even I, though they lost, yeah. I think the, the, the home crowd was pretty happy with the with the performance as well. They've got two, two really big uh, home games coming up against Seged and then Kiel. If they get a win in either of those two games, I think that'll be massive for them. And then it'll be like the the whole perspective of this project might be a bit different. So, quite question for, you, for for both of you. Question for both of you in sticker twist, and the sticker twist is: Are Kolstad going to be fighting with Zagreb and Pallister? Um, which I think is a twist because at the start of the season, that that's not who we Brian, thought they'd be Brian fighting with. Brian said they'd be sixth, or they're going to be fighting. Yeah. I said they'd be fifth. So it's not a whole kind of as as predicted. <laughs> a little worse. But are are they going to be fighting with P- Pig Zegat and Kiel? As you said, Chris, you know, they have two big home games. Are they gonna at least put in a good performance against those teams? Or are they gonna be battling and they'll probably win the battle overall against Zagreb and Pallister. It shouldn't be an issue for them. But that's probably not gonna be good enough. So do you uh stick is uh Zagreb and Pallister twist is stick for me. I think they're finishing sixth. Exactly what I said. Yeah. It's a project built on lies. Alexis. Can't <laughs> 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 wait till you go there for match of the week, Brian. No, <laughs> no, I'm being, no. I'm being too harsh. No, but I know. I like. I know where you're coming from, Alex. As well. Like, I want it to be good. You know, I I want like. I think everyone was hugely disappointed years ago when Aji Copenhagen didn't work out. It was just something a bit different. And I think there's something similar in people's eyes here. You know, a whole new club walks into the Champions League, a different name, different colours. And it, people wanted to work out this kind of Norwegian super team that are playing in the Champions League. I'd love all those things to work out. But I think for me, uh, when you talk about it being, they're trying to be sustainable. If you're trying to be sustainable, you're not lying to people like that. And you're not underpaying your players and you're not putting in the budget that every game has to sell out because that's not sustainable because if every game doesn't sell out then you're under budget for the season all these kind of things I think kind of it isn't a sustainable way of acting you know and uh, I think it, I think they probably should have got the European League first you know but that's that's a different topic altogether but I would love it to work you know don't get me wrong Are we we have one one team left to talk about uh, Pellister we well, actually we, we kind of assumed Pellister are finishing last that's what I've assumed and because you both said, or we've all said, Kolstad are going to finish uh, sixth, that Zagreb are going to finish seventh, despite this great victory. Yeah, let's hold on. We're we're talking we're talking sticker twists, not exact positions. You know, well, are, are they going to trend trend up or trend down? Is the quick fire questions? The, so you do then, <laughs> Pellister. 
Are they going to stick or twist? Are they going to stick an eighth or are they going to twist up the seventh? I think they're going to trend up. Um, they're not going to be as bad as uh, they've been, but they, they might finish last, but I don't think they're going to be a disgrace. They're still, their, home, their home games are still going to be an incredible atmosphere and it's going to throw off teams and they're not going to be a, a disgrace. Okay. Brian? Uh, I'd, I'd, agree. <laughs> it's just really it's very harsh. harsh now, but I don't think they're going to win any games this season. I okay. think they might get two draws, and that's probably pretty much going to be it. So they're going to be rock bottom for me. Zagreb, are they going to trend up? They've just recorded their greatest win in years. Are they going to trend up or down? Well, if 36-year-old Cuban Yoel Morales keeps absolutely <laughs> smashing teams, then maybe, maybe they'll trend up. But uh, I think that might be unlikely. I, uh, Mate Mandic 16 saves 47% do we have to talk about him being possibly the best goalkeeper in the world I'm not sure uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the highlight of their season uh, but I think they will have a few results in them here or there but I'd say they're probably going to still finish 7th it's their most solid team in a few years I have to say yeah. they look like a solid bunch of lads but yeah and this group not enough to be in the top six. And PSG. They lost, but that was because Luke Steins was having a baby. What is and So he sat, sat, his missus was having a baby, so he sat that one out, which uh, I think he can afford to do in, uh, in round three of the competition. Uh, besides that, I, yeah, I don't have any fears about them uh, finishing first place which I predicted preseason. what about you guys to round off this podcast from where we started uh, the, the spin talked to Luka, uh, Nikola Karabatic and he kept saying that PSG are a team now that don't have the same pressure or they're not expected to win anything and I just disagree with that they still have a really really good team yeah, they, do. they have a, a stacked squad they have the biggest budget in handball they they actually do still have the biggest budget in handball and they're they're always at the top they're always in the final four i just disagree with maybe it's a nikola karabatic's defeatist attitude maybe he's he's classic <laughs> him huh? He's classic, not a real, you know, classic, he's just, classic he doesn't Manish. have that winning, 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 winning mentality. He just doesn't have it. <laughs> but um, I, I think PSG are going to continue winning uh, and win this group. Yes. I can't believe Shipshack's going to score 200 goals. Trend up. Yeah, the squad is fantastic. <sighs> yeah. The squad is really fantastic. If you can go to, go to Kielsa and almost beat them with both goalkeepers having a disaster and no league signs, then yeah. That shows there's, there's some depth in that team, for sure. That's our look at the early stages of the Champions League. Uh, any little tidbits before we uh, depart today, boys? Uh, anything else to add? I saw a great European League qualification game the weekend in person. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, it was, that was fantastic. Was that? It was uh, the Women's European League qualifiers. It was Uno Red from Gothenburg against Hippo Niederösterreich. Uh, which a friend of ours, Enos Ryan, was playing for Hippo. And it went to a penalty shootout, which is what you really want to see. Hippo were like five goals down, three down in aggregate, uh, managed to to draw themselves level, went to a shootout. And I think it was the eighth round of penalties, so it went to sudden death as well. Both teams had a chance to win in the shootout. Both missed their chances to win in the shootout before... Unarate uh, managed to get the the victory in the end. So yeah, some exciting European league league action, uh, which gets me hyped for the the European League group stages to start at some point. I don't know when that happens, but when it does, we'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's going on with the European I don't League? Know. <laughs> They're just gonna <laughs> they'll figure that one out later. I guess <laughs> that's that's due to start at some point, right? <laughs> with the new format of that competition. Ah. And speaking of which, I've just seen an article on, on your handball pop up with uh, Sindrich's Bucharest adventure. The whole team has great potential. So I guess that means that uh, Lucas Sindrich 
and uh, Dinamo Bucharesti will be starting their European League campaign soon. Maybe we'll have to do a, a morning club on that or a, a podcast on that. We might. In, we uh, might. in the coming weeks. Also, th- I, I think we've joked about this off air, but we haven't actually said it on the podcast. And that is that uh, Petr Nenadic has gone to Saudi Arabia. Yes. Um, he's going to play in the IHF Superglobe for Kalij. So the, there's quite a few rumors going around uh, about it. So there is this figure of $600,000 for a season for Kalij, but to confirm that he has actually just gone there for the IHF Superglobe. So he's just done the classic join, join a Saudi team for the Superglobe. He may stay on afterwards, that, that's uncertain, but the, the contract and the deal right now is that he is just with uh, Kalij for the IHF Superglobe. Um, let's see where he goes afterwards. Maybe he just wants to flaunt his talent at the greatest show on yes. earth yes. Uh, and get picked up by a <laughs> top club. So. Do you know what I've always thought, boys? I always thought Superglobe needs a bit more attention. And... Uh, do you know, we, should, we might, we might, we'll have to see about doing a podcast or two about it when it when it comes around. I've changed my mind about a super globe. I'm all team yes. super globe now these days. Yeah. Team super globe. It's only a matter of time for yeah. that tattoo. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. Uh, the teams in it this year, uh, quite fun. Oh. Uh, we have a an Argentine team in. I think for the first time, usually it's Brazil that's represented from South, the first time, South yeah. America, but San Fernando handball uh, going to be there from Argentina. University of Queensland are in there. They shocked Sydney Uni to qualify. Our friends from San Francisco, Cal Heat, are back in. So, yeah, lots to look forward to there. Uh, that is basically in a month's time, 7th to 12th of November. It's at a better time of the year as well, right? They used to just squeeze it in at the beginning of the season where nobody really wanted it to be there. Now, in November, it feels a bit more suitable. So maybe we can give it some attention uh, closer to the time. Thank you, everybody. This was another handball hour from the OGs of the English language podcasting network when it comes to handball or all things handball. Thank you. Uh, I'll go uh, spin around the guests again. <laughs> Once again, it's Chris O'Reilly and Alex Kulish joining myself, Brian Campion. Thank you very much. And we'll see you again next time. If not here, then for a morning club on our Patreon. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>